everybody and welcome. This is Emmanuel and you are listening to the UX Research Club, the podcast which is dedicated to the rising field of user research. Who is this show for? It is for everyone, actually. Everyone interested in UX, product development, digital transformation. Whether you are working for a large organization or for a startup, this podcast is for you. But if you think that the users are not important, this podcast is not for you as we are putting the user at the center of all our investigations. User experience research is essential to the product development cycle. We, UX researchers, intervene during all the phases in order to better understand users, their needs, as well as the business needs. We evaluate the user journey, the design, and the way how the users interact with the product. As I already mentioned in a previous episode, user experience research is far more than usability. We use quantitative and qualitative research methods, which come from several disciplines such as ergonomics, psychology, anthropology, social science, human and computer interaction, and many more. I talk about the origin of user experience research in another episode. If you haven't already listened to it, I invite you to do so, obviously, if you are interested. When beginning a research project, choosing the right research method is critical to the success and quality of your research study. I understand that some of you already have a strong foundation in research, and this may seem obvious. This podcast is aimed at a diverse audience, which includes young researchers, designers, product managers, and other people interested in user experience research. Therefore, I would like to start with some foundation. But how do you select the relevant research method? We have certain rules in research according to which we must pay attention before choosing the relevant research method. First, we must try to understand what we are trying to answer and what the questions are. The research method will be documented in a method section. In science, when we work on the method section, we include the design, the samples, the tools that we are using, and the procedure. The term design, in this instance, is used in the sense of the methodological approach. In order to select the relevant research method, the researcher needs the input of the entire product team or relevant stakeholders to answer a number of questions. Here are the questions that we need to ask the product team. We need to get the context of the product, what it is for. Where is the product in its development phases? Preconcept development, discovery phase, alpha, beta, private beta, EAP, early access program, or the product is already launched. It is also very important to understand the objective of the product team and their goals. Also different, the two terms, goals and objective, are very often used in unison when working on the project. There is, however, a difference which is not always known. A goal is an achievable result, which is usually quite large, if not broad, and has a long-term outcome, while an objective is a short-term and defined measurable action to achieve according to a plan. I recommend that you check with the product team about their short-term objective and also the long-term vision. It is always interesting to understand the overall vision and the goal they want to achieve. We also want to know who are the users or potential users of their product. Do they have any analysis, reports, or previous research related to their product, such as survey, analytics, etc.? Do they have some assumptions? And do they have any question in their mind? I generally ask the product team to write down all the questions in a document. Sometimes we have to organize a meeting to help them to clearly verbalize the question they have and to get more details about the product in general. 
Once you have all the information you need, as well as all the questions they have, you can start to group them under the same categories, some of which may be more specific than others. You can start to rewrite the question in a form which are more suitable for the research. Then you can associate them with a more general topic to which you want to obtain some answers. Once you have all your questions rewritten and reorganized, you can start to associate them with what, who, when, how, why. To answer those questions, we will use different research methods. There are two methods to analyze data, quantitative methods and qualitative methods. Quantitative research methods take a top-down approach starting with the big picture and using a deductive reasoning. Quantitative research methods require a large sample which involve a large amount of data and are associated generally with experimental research. The quantitative method validates assumptions, theories, and preconceived ideas. The approaches that we use to collect the data that will be analyzed by using quantitative research methods are the followings. Analytics, survey, clicks rate, first-click studies, experimental tests, eye-tracking, etc. Qualitative research methods take a bottom-up approach, starting from a specific observation from which it emerges a theory. Generally, qualitative research methods require a few participants. In-depth analysis, which is time-consuming. Qualitative research methods identify phenomena, common patterns, and systematic occurrences. The approaches that we use to collect data that will be analyzed by qualitative research methods are the following. Interview, observation, discussion, such as focus group, user testing, case study, guerrilla testing. Very often, companies focus their attention on the numbers without thinking about the who, what, how, and why. This had the effect of missing the point. How many times I'm in a kickoff meeting with a product and technology and design are already on the starting blocks before they even begin to ask themselves what they want to achieve, who will be the, using the product, and what are the user needs. They just decided to develop something without having a definition or even a clear vision of what they plan to develop. I can tell you that we can already anticipate that the whole product will not have a good foundation. I like to make a metaphor with a house because building a house requires solid structural foundation before you can build each room. Well, for a digital product, it is the same thing. You need to understand user needs and requirements before you start coding or even designing anything. Going back to the research methods, now that we have all the questions and information from the product team, that we have linked all of them with who, what, when, how, why, and how much. Another very important point that will help us to define the approach and the method that we want to use is to know at what stage of development the product is. Is it preconcept development or discovery phase, alpha, beta, private beta, or even live? To develop a high-performing product, it is imperative to go through all these stages. Rushing or skipping a phase can affect the quality of your product and its outcome. We understand that sometimes we have to start a research project when the product is already in production, and we do everything we can to best support the product team. Let's talk about the discovery phase. This should happen at the beginning of any new project. This phase generally takes between four to eight weeks, depending on the complexity of the project. The aim of the discovery is to get a full understanding of the current situation. It helps to decide at the end of this phase whether or not the project should move forward, meaning moving to the alpha phase. During the discovery phase, you will identify the following elements. Who are the user? 
who would be using the new service or the new product? What are the user needs? What service or product users are currently using? What works well with the current product they are using? What is not working well? What are the business needs in a sense and why the business wants this new product and the rationale behind it? Is there a gap in the market or an opportunity? Is there a similar product in the market? Any competitors? Understand legislation, policy, or regulation, especially for government, finance, and insurance. Is there a real need for the new product? Etc. Etc. The discovery phase provides a baseline of the current situation and determines if it is viable to create this new product. The role of the user researcher in the discovery phase is crucial. Some companies don't see the importance of having a UX researcher or even a UX research team at this point and think they have enough information and knowledge to do so. It is a bit risky in my opinion. Oh well. The consequences of not having a user researcher can affect the outcome of the discovery phase and the general development of the product. Some stakeholders will make a decision based on their own understanding, ideas, and knowledge of the situation, which is not always in the best interest of the product. During the discovery phase, a researcher will identify the current user journey and assess the highlights, issue, and frustration of the user while using a product or service. The user researcher will use quantitative and qualitative research methods during the discovery phase. Quantitative research method will answer the how often, how many, and when the user uses the current service or legacy product. And if it is a new service, the researcher will assess the number of potential users that will be using the new product. While the qualitative will answer the what, why, how, and who. If your product is already live, but the product manager wants to add a new feature, We'll also do a discovery, which I usually call a mini-discovery, to assess where the new feature could fit into the current product and into the user ecosystem. What do I mean by ecosystem? An ecosystem includes everything the user will interact with. For example, when you work from home, your ecosystem is not the same as the one in the office. If you're in the office, you will have more screens. Your internet connection, in theory, will be faster and stronger. You are able to interact with those around you. You will be having meeting in the meeting room and using whiteboard and post-it. And you can also use your phone to do personal tasks. When you are at home, you will have less screen estate, meaning less screens. Your internet connection may not be as stable. You will use digital channels to communicate, such as chat, messaging, video conferencing tools. You will also use collaborative tools, such as virtual boards. And you can use your personal laptop and have it next to you to perform your personal tasks. The ecosystem is the environment and all the tools that you are using to interact. During the discovery phase, the research method most often used will be the interview, focus group, also we don't use them very much anymore, contextual inquiries, analytics, diary study, and SUS if you already have a product life. Let's move to the alpha phase, the design phase. The alpha phase is an interesting part of the process. This is when the team can try different options. They already have a good idea of the user needs and a good understanding of the user from the discovery phase. Having a designer at this stage is so important. The role of the designer will be to create screens, sketches, wireframe, and also to start building some prototypes. When the new product or services relies heavily on content, such as insurance website or government or lawyer website, it is also highly recommended to have a content designer. What method are we using during the alpha phase? We will be running user testing session, card sorting, guerrilla test, 
first-click study. We can also do hybrid studies such as discovery with user testing if the product didn't have the time to do a discovery before. You can also use remote tools to test the design. You may be able to test some prototypes in combination with the build product. In the next few weeks, I will be doing several episodes on how to plan, execute, and analyze user testing sessions. Now comes the beta phase. The beta phase is a stage of the product development. The team will come back to the conclusion and the result of the alpha phase. They will build the backend and the frontend to provide a minimum viable product or service, MVP or MVS, if it is a service. During the beta phase, the screens created by the designer as well as the content designer should look more or less the same as the final version. We will work on the evaluation of the front-end of the product in terms of evaluating the content, the terminology, the layout, the accessibility, the navigation, and we'll begin to assess the user in interaction with the product by asking participants to complete tasks during the research sessions. The main methods used at this stage are the user testing session, the guerrilla testing, and the SUS, System Usability Scale. Let's move to the pre-launch phase. What is important with this phase is that we can see it as a general rehearsal. Its purpose is to evaluate the end-to-end journey, roughly the end-to-end journey that your user will follow and take to complete the task while using your product. For example, what is the end-to-end user journey for e-commerce product? It is all the steps that the user will take to complete an order. Starting with the keyword used to find the product, What do they do on the landing page, register or login if they already have an account? Look for uh, an item, for example, uh, flowers, if they were looking for to buy some flowers. They will look at the results, select the product, put it in a basket, check out and pay. During this end-to-end user journey, the researcher will identify everything and capture all the interaction and comments as well of the user while interacting with the product. For the pre-release or pre-launch phase, I will recommend the following method, end-to-end user testing sessions, guerrilla testing, time on task, diary study, SUS, and sometimes we can even use the eye tracking. Could be very interesting to see how people and the gays are searching for the information within the product. Now that the end-to-end user journey has been testing, you got all the results, you've been fixing everything in theory, you can move to a private beta or EAP. Moving to the private beta or EAP, Early Access Program, can be a good way to get you a few users to interact with your product. You can decide which audience you want to include. This will help you to get quick feedback from your users in a real-life situation. This will also help you to ensure that the new service or product is working. The private beta is a safe card to play and it will limit the risk and also identify issues rapidly that could be fixed before rolling out your product to a wider audience. Very often, during a private beta, the researchers are doing contextual inquiries. It is a bit more tricky with the COVID situation, but now that everything seems to be back to normal, we can go back and resume the contextual inquiries to see how users interact with your product, especially the first time they get access to your product. It is a bit like an onboarding session, but we are just observing what they are doing. We are not telling them what to do. When the first session with the user are completed and you analyze all the data and start to extracting all the findings and communicate them to the product team, you can also set some communication channel in order to capture their feedback. If your private beta is a month or two months or six months, you know, you've got all this time, you can decide how long you want to capture the feedback. 
It can be a diary study and you can use some tools which are specialized to do a diary study. But you can also use any chat system, any chat channel when you are doing a diary study. In the past, I was doing some study in China and the participants, they couldn't use any of the specialized tools for diary study. So we just set up a, a channel with WeChat, which is the only uh, communication tool in China. This was helping to communicate with uh, end users. They were sending us video, images, comments, and we were sending them some questions from time to time, so we were getting some answers. I will also recommend after a few weeks, depending on the time you have available, to set up some face-to-face -face interview, or it could be done remotely, to provide feedback uh, from their overall experience. I will also, uh, at that time, add them to complete the SUS questionnaire. If you have a significant number of users during your private beta, I will also do an online survey to validate the result of the test we've done at the beginning. And also, it's good to validate finding with a larger audience. Once your product is launched, is live, I hope you have set up some analytics. Otherwise, I will strongly recommend to identify the important points you want to capture in the analytics. The researcher can help us throughout the product development to identify what is important to track. The analytics will capture traffic and identify spikes, such as high volume of activity as well as low volume. Each unusual traffic should trigger interest to the product team and require the research team to start a project to understand why these changes appear. You can run a product survey. This can be set up on the product and provide questions within your product, which will help the user to have some context while answering the question. You can also do online survey uh, using all the different online survey tools. I would also recommend to do a great survey based on what is important to the users and to the business, which could become a good KPI. I will also recommend to run a source regularly to assess where your products stand in terms of usability. The third important point that will help you to choose the relevant research method is the access to the users. Access to participants can interfere with your choice of research method, and sometimes you need to be a bit flexible. Access to participants or respondents is key to validating research results. They can be active users, potential users, new users, etc. In a few weeks, I will be devoting an episode to the participants and everything that concerns them, including recruitment, ethics, and data protection. Access to end users can sometimes be very complicated. If you don't have enough data with a quantitative approach, you may have to switch to qualitative or vice versa. Let me give you an example. If you want to do a card sorting to identify the terminology and the navigation of your site and you are using an online tool to do so, you prepare all your cards to do online and you start uh, all exercise of the card sorting and send the link to a panel of users. And after a few weeks, you only have seven or eight answers. It is not possible to use the data and analyze them because there is not enough data. The result won't be reliable. It is therefore necessary to change the method you are using and try to be a bit more open-minded. Same with online survey. If you don't have enough respondents, your result won't be reliable and it will be better for you to switch to a qualitative study which will be much more reliable result. To summarize, many organizations believe that survey and analytics will give them all the answers, but this is not the case. Quantitative research method will only answer certain questions such as how much, when, how many, and maybe where, or validate or not hypothesis. Qualitative research methods are essential to answer the who, the what, 
the how and why. A role as a UX researcher is to educate and explain to the product team and stakeholders about research methods and the approaches that we are using. But first and foremost, you need to understand what the product team are trying to achieve, what their research questions are, and then you can identify the best research method. To summarize how to choose the relevant research method to conduct user experience research, we need to take into consideration three parameters. The first one is what phase is the product? The second one is what question that the product team needs to answer to? And the third one is how do you access participants to collect the data? this episode today. If you have any questions, do not hesitate to contact me on info at uxresearchclub.com. You can also find a lot of information about user research by reading my book, Practical User Research, which covers how to integrate user research to your product development. Details will be in the description of this podcast. And finally, if you want to support the UX Research Club, please share it with your network on social media or write a review. See you next week for a new episode and thank you for listening. Goodbye.